It's time for Herd Mentality, the weekly episode where you take control of what we talk about today on Locked On Bills. You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Tuesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, or if you're joining us on the YouTube channel, your first watch every day. Today will be herd mentality. I have a ton of great questions for us to get into, but I have two quick things that I want to talk about before we start with the outstanding questions that were sent in. First of all, I absolutely love doing the um the Buffalo Bills big board that I did yesterday on the podcast, except for I skipped the player. At 25, I had Drake London, the wide receiver out of USC. And I think my eyes just got lost between number 25 and getting to the ad read. And I skipped him, did not mean to, but he is that player at 25 that I overlooked yesterday. The second thing, and this is something I'm pretty geeked about, it's that Josh Allen is going to be in the match which is, of course, a golf match between Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers on one team, Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes on the other. I think we can all agree that we're rooting for Josh Allen's team, even though we have to root for Patrick Mahomes. But the bigger point is that we need Josh Allen to take down Tom Brady on the golf course. It'll be in June. It'll be on TNT, and I'll be glued to every second of it. Uh, I love golf. I love Josh Allen. And I've enjoyed watching that in the past where they have some really fun interactions. And I think we'll get a, get a chance to see a lot of Josh Allen's personality along with the rest of the country. So was really excited to see that. And just, there's a part of me that's just fired up that we have a quarterback that is on those types of thing, right? Like we've always wanted to be relevant. That's been something we fought for, for so long as a fan base. And, you know, obviously as a football team and now our quarterbacks on a nationally televised golf tournament with Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, and himself because he belongs there. Man, I love it. All right, let's get to your outstanding questions. First one today comes from Kyle who says, so I know McDermott and Frazier have shown that they can coach a top defense with athletically below average corners. However, Brandon Bean provides the pieces to the puzzle, and if there are two things that we know about Brandon Bean, it's that one, If he perceives a weakness on the roster, he attacks it. Two, he likes freak athletes. He has slowly tried to put one in every position room with the exception of running back and the secondary. Now, I don't think Bean perceives CB2 as that big of a weakness as the fan base might, but not bringing back Levi Wallace at a reasonable deal at least proves they thought a change was necessary. I think Brandon Bean shocks but pleases many of us and double dips taking two defensive backs in the first three picks. My ideal scenario would be Daxton Hill at 25, unless Andrew Andrew Booth falls, and Tariq Woolen in the second, even if you have to trade up to the 45 to 50 range. In the Bills' last two playoff losses versus the Chiefs, Tyreek Hill has 20 receptions on 24 targets for 322 yards and one touchdown. Bean has seen enough and goes and gets his guys with traits Because as Bruce Nolan would say, traits give you options. For what it's worth, 
in his other 11 career playoff games, not against the Bills, Hill averages 5.8 receptions for 69 yards and has five total touchdowns. Thanks for all you do. Looking forward to the draft. Thanks to all the knowledge you have shared on these prospects. Kyle, I think this is really well, really well thought out. And we've seen Brandon being be quite aggressive to fix weaknesses, right? Whether that was the offensive line coming out of 2018, the receiving core throughout the last couple of years, defensive line. This is something he's definitely done. And so I think there's a good chance that you're right about this, that he does double dip with a couple of early picks. And I'd love for Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier to have more athleticism in the secondary to give them more options with how they can space the field and, and cover offenses. So I think this is a really well-thought-out take, and I hope it's true because I'd, I'd like to see this team have more athleticism in the secondary to go with this pass rush that they've built. I think this pass rush has a chance to be the best we've ever seen under Sean McDermott since he arrived in town in 2017. And so you add a dynamic pass rush with talented cover men on the back end, and you've got a really, really good defense that's going to be able to do a whole lot better against those top offenses that gave you problems last year. Let's be honest about it. So really, really good stuff here from Kyle. Next one comes from Vin. Vin says, I recently read that supposedly the Bills may still have interest in wide receiver Jarvis Landry. How do you feel about this? I'd have to assume at this stage of free agency, he would be relatively inexpensive. How would it affect their draft board, in your opinion? Finally, how will you be consuming the draft this year? Do you prefer working the draft, or do you maybe wish you could just take it in as a fan? Let's start with the Jarvis Landry thing. I guess I'd be surprised at this point if the Bills actually brought in Jarvis Landry. I mean, to me, when they signed Jamison Crowder, that was very much a signal that Jarvis Landry wouldn't be in play for them. Now, if he could come on a bargain deal, I don't, I don't put it past the Bills. But at this point, I would think it's unlikely. How would I feel about it? I'd be pretty indifferent. I don't think he adds anything new to this receiving core. Not with Jamison Crowder in place. I think that's a wash, and you have a redundancy in terms of skill sets. What I'm looking for at wide receiver is field-stretching ability and yards after catch. I don't think Jarvis Landry gives you the field-stretching ability. He's good after the catch, but so is Jamison Crowder. So I don't, I don't know that you really gain anything there. As for uh, consuming the draft, this year, like I have every year since 2017, I am working the draft. Um, we're doing a live broadcast with the draftnetwork.com. We'll share more details about that. I'm leaving for Vegas this weekend, and, and I'll be there all week long. And um, we're going to have some really, really cool stuff in terms of how we broadcast the draft. It'll be different than anything else you've ever seen. Uh, we're going to really focus on embracing what we call ourselves, which is fraud, front office 33. And uh, we have a, a really cool draft board that we're going to have up in the room and a lot of different features that replicate an actual NFL war room with our scouting staff kind of just talking through everything. So it's going to be really fun, and uh, we'll share more details about it and how everybody can watch it very, very soon. Now, as far as do I prefer working the draft or taking it in as a fan, listen, that's a really hard question for me because my favorite thing in the world is to just be a fan and watch the draft and watch it with my brothers and, and just have a, an amazing time working through it like that. But 
this is my life's work. I, I get to do what I love. I get to live out my dream covering the NFL draft. And part of that is having to be on location and broadcast the draft. And so I, I, I always have to side with that because, you know, like I said, I, I pinch myself all the time recognizing that this is the work that I get to do. And that just comes along with it. And, um, it's a whole lot better than actually going to work. So we'll take it. Next one comes from, from Brian, very similar to one sent in by drew. Brian says with all this talk recently about going to more three linebacker sets to deal with run heavy teams, I have to ask is Taron Johnson, the cornerback you want to take off the field in that situation. Can he possibly play outside in a pinch? not knowing what the Bills will add in the draft and free agency, is it possible he fills in outside until Trey White returns? Brian, like I said uh, back in the in the DMs when you sent this, I've been thinking about this a lot myself. I just haven't said it out loud. Where maybe the entire plan here is for Taron Johnson to play a bit more on the outside. You have Saran Neal and Cam Lewis who can play in the slot, and maybe you do want to go more three linebacker sets, which. They did last year late in the season against teams like the New England Patriots. And we know that this schedule ahead this year is, is littered with teams that want to run the football. You have three teams in your division that their bread and butter is going to be running the football. The entire AFC North wants to run the football. Tennessee and Indianapolis want to run the football. And if you want to bring teams to your stadium in January, you better be able to stop the run. And like I've said so many times, when Josh Allen's your quarterback, other teams want to keep him on the sideline by running the ball. And so I think the Bills are very much considering this in the way that they're constructing their roster now and potentially in future years and embracing more of a willingness to play three linebacker sets. And I think the, the matchups on the schedule dictate that very much. And I don't think there's going to be all that much different in the coming years. And so... I do subscribe to this, that the Bills are going to be more willing to play three linebacker sets, and it's a fun question to consider that when they do that, do they just bump Taron Johnson to outside corner? Now, here's what I'd say about that. Outside corner and slot corner, different things, different positions, especially in the Bills' defense. So I don't want to be assuming and that guys can be interchangeable like that, but you feel like Taron Johnson could be that type of guy. And so I think we could see more diversity with how Taron is is deployed in this defense, and that very much could be part of the equation. I need to tell you guys about our new partner, Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all the things. I take it to jumpstart my day, and it gives me more energy and balances my diet in a very simple way. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb. AG1 is a small microhabit with big benefits. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens is critical for my daily routine. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. 
No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. Let's go Mets. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action, because BetOnline is where the game starts. All right, the next one comes from Sam, who says, if we don't get Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama, then the Chiefs will use their two first-rounders to trade up and get him. How much do you assume and pre... Excuse me, how much do assumed and preemptive moves of other teams affect the Bills' own draft strategy? So let's have an honest conversation about Jamison Williams and him getting to the Bills at 25. I don't think it happens. I don't think there's any way it happens. You have the Falcons at 8, Jets at 10, Commanders at 11, Eagles at 15 and 18, Saints at 16 and 19, Chargers at 17, Patriots at 21, Packers at 22. There's no way he gets through that gauntlet. There's no way. He's too special of a player. And so I, I, I think I need to start to be very realistic about him not being there at 25, even with the ACL injury. Now, I could see the Chiefs using their draft capital to move up to go get him. Now, they'd have to give up probably both of those first-round picks to get in to the range to get ahead of a lot of those teams should he start to slide, should he get past Atlanta and the Jets. So if if Brandon Bean feels like this is the got to have player because he's what you he you need for your offense but also you block him from going to the Chiefs I get it. I get it and I get real nervous about trading up and all that type of stuff. I I'm very protective over draft picks and draft capital. But I get it. I really do. Kincaid says I like BYU's running back Tyler Algier. I've noticed that he is all over experts' big boards. Me too. I've seen him as high as a third round and as low as a sixth round. Why such a huge difference and your opinion on a Bills fit? So I like Tyler Algier. I just don't love him. 5'11", 224, modest, athletic profile. I see him as a downhill between the tackles, you know, hammer, physical, downhill guy, solid receiver decent blocker. I just think he's kind of ordinary to me. I don't think he's a bad player. There just isn't anything there that moves the needle. I mean, he's a big, physical, powerful downhill back with mod of modest elusiveness and explosiveness. Decent vision. I think he's ordinary across the board. And so for running backs, for me to like you as a running back, you have to have some dynamic qualities or you need to have really elite vision and contact balance. And I just don't feel like I get a very exciting package out of Algier. So I think he's a reasonable midday three pick in my view, but I've seen him as some people's top five running back, you know, somewhere in that top five. And if I'm not mistaken, last year we had four running backs go in the top 100. So the NFL's 
valuation of running backs always confuses me. And I can see a wide range of possibilities for, for where Algier ultimately gets drafted. Matthew says, every year during the NFL draft, teams get instantly better with their picks in the draft. And every year, inevitably, there are picks that don't work out for various reasons. I was wondering if you could share some thoughts on some of the top prospects that you think have a higher bust possibility and why. All right, so I'll give you four players that I think have bust possibility. But I also want to say two things before I, I get specific with players. First of all, we have to be mindful, and this is something that I learned from Jordan Palmer, and I've had a few different conversations with him. He's been on Draft Dudes a couple of times, and obviously Jordan Palmer is um, Josh Allen's personal QB coach and as well as a lot of other big-time quarterbacks. And something that Jordan says all the time in our conversations, it's that teams bust players more than players bust teams. Teams bust players more than players bust teams. And I think that makes a lot of sense to me because so much of a, of a player's ability to step into a situation and perform has to do with the context of that situation, the coaching staff, the players on the roster, the opportunity, how they're developed, all that type of stuff. If they're in the right situation for them to be the best version of themselves. And so sometimes teams don't have the right stuff in place for players to come in and have a real chance to develop. Look at Justin Fields with the Chicago Bears. Look at that dumpster fire of a situation. He gets drafted last year. They trade multiple first-round picks to get him. Goes into a situation with a lame duck coach that's fired already. New coaching staff, new general manager. Look at that depth chart. It's awful. He's throwing the ball to Byron Pringle and Darnell Mooney. Cole Komet. No real starting caliber players on the offensive line. It is a dumpster fire. Now, this guy going into year two as a player who didn't fare all that well as a rookie, he's supposed to take a step with nothing around him, learning a new system? Who's busting who in Chicago? I have great concern about that situation. It'll be year three for Justin Fields before they have given him a chance to succeed. Who's busting who? So that's the first thing I want to mention. And that's true for so many different players. They just don't go to the right opportunity. They're all talented, right? They're all capable of playing in the NFL. Now, there's different nuances to every player, but I think we have to put a lot of this back on teams for busting players. Number two is, and I've said this a lot, you never know how a human being is going to respond to being in their early 20s and instantly becoming a millionaire with more free time than they've ever had in their entire life. You have no idea how some people are going to respond to that. And so before I get, I get into these players that I want to mention, I do want to establish those two things that I think are very important. Four players this year that I think have a chance to be a bust. I'm not predicting these players are busts, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't feel a little uneasy about them as prospects. First one is Derek Stingley out of LSU. And you guys know I like Derek Stingley. I think he's a phenomenal talent. 2019, Derek Stingley is arguably the best tape we've seen of any player at any position in this class. But that was 2019. 
and he did not take a step in the following seasons. And, and again, I think a lot of that goes back to the context of the LSU situation with the players around him, the coaching staff. But it's been a long time since we've seen him perform at an elite level. He's got some injury stuff. He's got the Liz Frank thing in his foot. Sub 31-inch arms. Got some level of concern for Derek Stingley. Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. You won't watch his tape and have any concerns at Iowa. He's a phenomenal player. There just is not a long list of players in the NFL that have had successful careers that have his measurables. You're counting on him being the exception. That's something I'm never comfortable doing. He gives me some concern. Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. I just don't know about this guy. He's wide receiver three for me. I have a first-round pick grade on him. I'm not sure I'd pick him in the real draft. He's a guy that wins in a lot of contested situations, doesn't necessarily have speed to win down the field, kind of struggles with press coverage. There, there's concerns there with Drake London that have me concerned. And then I'll, I'll mention one more player, Jordan Davis out of Georgia. I've talked about it multiple times on this podcast. A long history of weight management issues, conditioning issues, and inability to affect the quarterback. So those are the four players that I have some concern about in terms of bust, bust possibility. Next one comes from Ted, who says, I'm wondering if I can challenge you to comp any players from the 2022 draft class to these past and present Buffalo Bills. Levi Wallace, Jerry Hughes, Cole Beasley, Tremaine Edmonds, A.J. Klein, Dawson Knox, and Devin Singletary. I thought this might be a fun exercise. I agree. And so I don't necessarily love all of these comps, but if I had to pick a stylistic comp for all of the players you gave to a player in the 2022 NFL draft, I would comp Levi Wallace to Cincinnati cornerback Kobe Bryant. I would comp Jerry Hughes to Penn State edge rusher Arnold Ebichetti. I would comp Cole Beasley to Slade Bolden. He's a wide receiver from Alabama. Tremaine Edmonds, that's a tough one, but I said Georgia linebacker Quay Walker. For A.J. Klein, I said Wisconsin linebacker Jack Sanborn. For Dawson Knox, I said Ohio State tight end Jeremy Ruckert. And for Devin Singletary, Iowa running back Tyler Goodson. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Wind door often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions like, is your Odyssey an LX or an EX? And wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and save money when using Rock Auto. Why would you choose to spend 30%, 50%, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? You have everything you can need. Brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Make sure you write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. They have amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need over at rockauto.com. All right, we got a few more to get to here today. The next one comes from Johnny, who says, how much do you take the fifth-year option into consideration when potentially trading down? I think it's a great question, and I think it is incredibly overrated, especially under the new CBA, where the fifth-year option 
is oftentimes just correlated to the transition tag or the franchise tag. And so if you have concern about keeping a player and having control for five seasons, the franchise tag and the fifth-year option are virtually the same thing. It's not going to move me away from doing it. And it goes both ways. I'm not going to trade back into the first round simply for the fifth-year option. I think the CBA has leveled the playing field when it comes to this conversation. The next one today comes from Scarecrow Boat, who says, I have a hypothetical trade proposal I want you to evaluate. It would involve the Bills trading up for Jamison Williams. My proposal is trade up with Houston for pick 13 to jump ahead of wide receiver needy teams. Houston would get our first, our second, our fourth, and our fifth. As part of the trade, we would also swap thirds with them, so we would go from pick 89 to pick 68. We would end up with Jamison Williams, pick 68, two sixth-round picks, and one seventh-round pick. Do you think this is an overpay, or is a dynamic talent like Jamison Williams worth it? So when I first read this, I thought to myself, that feels like an overpay. And then I ran the numbers. I got the trade value chart out. And I looked at all the picks the Bills were giving up. I looked at the picks the Bills were getting, and it checks out. The math checks out in terms of the trade value chart. I struggle with it, though. I got to be honest with you. You guys know how much I love Jamison Williams. I think he's exactly what this offense needs. But I've always kind of had this thought that trading up in the first round for non-quarterbacks is just not something I typically subscribe to. I'm protective of draft picks, but I would get it. I would get it. I'd rather do this than do what the Bills did in, in the Sammy Watkins year and go from what was it like nine to five and give up a one and a four? I'd rather do this for sure. And I think you could still get, you could probably come away with, you'll, you'll get Jamison Williams at 13 and at 68. You could probably still get a Cam Taylor-Britt or an Alante Taylor. Get yourself some running back with one of the six-round picks, some type of developmental offensive lineman with one of the six-round picks and special teams guy in the seventh round. I wouldn't hate it. I wouldn't hate it. I'd want to see what the whole thing looks like. Excuse me. I hit my mic for those of you who are watching on YouTube. I'd like to see what the whole thing looks like. But... um. I do struggle with it. I'm not going to lie. But I, I'm not sitting here, and this is big for me. I'm not sitting here saying, no way. I'm not saying that. Because I think the context of this team lends itself to stuff like this. And we'll see what Brandon Bean has up his sleeves, but there's part of me that's kind of gearing myself up for the idea that he shoots up the board and goes and gets a Sauce Gardner or a Jamison Williams or a player like that, that this team really needs and is lacking. Next one comes from Matthew, who says, just listen to your linebacker and safety pod and had a thought. If the team truly likes Dane Jackson as much as we think, could Daxton Hill be a first round pick that fits in, or that fills in an outside cornerback while Trey White rehabs and then transitions to a long-term replacement for Jordan Poyer? 
I've talked about this for a few weeks now on the podcast where Daxton Hill, I think, has plus upside at every spot in the secondary from free safety, strong safety, slot corner to outside corner. I don't think he has any limitations. And so you can bring him in and have a role while you're waiting for Trey White to be healthy, and he's a very natural replacement for Jordan Poyer. So I I totally would understand that line of thinking, and more importantly, it's absolutely within the wheelhouse of Daxon Hill to do that, who's one of my favorite players in this draft. All right, folks, that was fun. You guys brought some really outstanding stuff this time around. You always do, but uh, this one feels really good. I, it really challenged me to think, and um, I enjoyed these questions this week. So thanks to everyone who submitted. Uh, tomorrow on the podcast, we are going to talk about, I think, the pre-draft visitors for the Buffalo Bills. I need to check my notes. I, 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 I normally put it here at the bottom of my notes what I'm doing the next day, but I forgot to put that in there, and so I'm a little bit uh, late on the draw here. But you know we're going to talk Buffalo Bills football tomorrow with a draft angle, obviously, as we get ready ready for the 2022 NFL Draft. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.